Hello and welcome to the Best Player Wins podcast, where we believe that winning is winning no matter by how little or by how much. I am your assistant to the podcast host, Jerowyn Wolf. Guest hosting with me today is the podcast host, Jake. Uh, he's a little bit under the weather, but uh, he's an absolute legend and he's soldiering through it. Uh, but he just, you know, wanted to talk a little bit less this episode. So you'll have to deal with my voice um, for a lot longer. And as is tradition, the guest, uh, the second chair, uh, does not get to speak until later. So we'll go ahead and just jump right into things with last week's recap. I'll run through the matchups here. Uh, We have Jake's fantasy baseball team beating Team C Deemer 270.9 to 258.8. The second matchup, Beaver Valley All-Stars beats the Walk Institute of Research 219.4 to 155.8. Matchup number three, Eating Ass and Taking Names beats Weak Pullout Hitter 245.6 to 238.2. Team Eminon beats No Money Mike 298.8 to 294.9. Absolute heartbreaker. Uh... And then number five, look at my Tatis beats the Flying Rutschman, 253.8 to 218.2. And finally, the Mighty Vibes beats JC and Company, 264.8 to 204.4. Our median this week, continuing to rebound uh, and trend upwards, uh, was 249.7. Our one and one teams. Uh, League villain Nick and Nate both won their matchups but finished below the median. And then our unlucky teams, Nick Lee and Mike, lost but finished above the median. Jumping into the standings update, where that leaves us in the East, still at the top, is Jake at 20 and 4. He went 2 and 0 this past week uh, with a with a performance of one and one, Mike maintains the second spot at 14 and 10. And a new face uh, in third currently is Nate at 14 and 10. He went one and one last week. A special note on this one uh, when I checked on Sunday for the update, uh, JC was in the three spot at 14 and 10 after going over t- uh, after going 0 f- and 2 this past week but as of after the games on monday nate already passed him up in points so that's a very uh tight position at the moment uh to keep an eye on this week then over in the west some more of the same with scott at 17 and 7 he went Oh, two and oh, once again, uh, to maintain that top spot. Nick Lee at 13 and 11 went one and one to stay in second. And then in third, I made it back into the top three of the West at 10 and 14 after going two and oh this past week. And now we can get into some takeaways. And since I've done all the talking so far, I'll let Jake go ahead and get us started. Yeah, first off, thanks, Jerwin, for uh, taking the power chair this time, because I don't, I don't know that my voice was going to make it through the episode, uh, if not, and that just wouldn't be any fun for anyone. Uh, but so I, I had a couple takeaways. So the first of which is it is going to, I know we eventually switch over when we give the standings to the wildcard race, 
uh, it's going to be pretty hard for us to figure out when to actually do that, considering how tight the races are for both the wild card and the top three in the standings. We're still seeing uh, quite a bit of movement on both ends. Um, this second second takeaway, uh, the Rockies were beaten so badly last week that they had to trade Mike Moustakas to the Angels. I thought that was very funny. Um, and my final takeaway, uh, the resurgence of Nate. Um, was previously sitting in a wild card spot pretty much the whole year, finally broken into the top three. Uh, and his team's looking awfully dangerous right now. I think that um, a lot of those trades that he made where I don't want to call them like buy lows and sell highs, but they were more like, I'll buy your underperforming guy and I'll, I'll send you some, I don't know if they're true, like buy low, sell highs, even though I'm describing a buy low, sell high. Um, He's sending some pieces that are performing well right now for some more established guys, sometimes that aren't even performing that much worse. And some of those pieces have course corrected. I'm talking about like Al Schwarber, Michael Harris, um, just two that come to mind. And that really seems to be um, kind of giving his team a little shot in the arm now. But his team look, is looking pretty dangerous. Yeah, definitely. Again, the, it happens every year. Nate, Nate gets a team together, makes good moves throughout the season, and he's got a contender. Um, maybe this will be the year. Maybe this is he'll he'll transition into the lovable underdog and make that work for him. So who knows? Um, but yeah, I, I think my takeaway is kind of similar. Uh, to your, I didn't have a takeaway about the Rockies, but uh, similar to yours, um, we now have six teams above the magic number with 13 wins. Uh, in theory, that means there are only two other teams outside our current top six who will make the playoffs. Um, but I'm not so sure that that will hold. I mean, like you said, the it's kind of hard to decide, like, When's the wild card race starting right now? Because, I mean, you and Scott are pretty much, like, I, we can feel pretty safe about you two guys making the playoffs at 20 wins and 17. But, I, I mean, the Mike, Nate, and JC are at 14 wins. Um, and then the next three after that, I mean, Nick Lee is also there, but he's in the second spot in the West. But the next teams after that are only you know, three wins behind at 10 wins. Or sorry. No, yeah, I was thinking of the being behind Nick Lee. Four, four wins behind at 10 wins. Um, but still, that's not out of the question i don't think at this point in the season um so i'm i'm gonna go ahead and make a bold prediction here with this takeaway i i think we're gonna see a 13 win team miss the playoffs this year i think it's gonna be that competitive down the stretch for for those last few spots well, with the takeaways out of the way, let's go ahead and talk some trades we had for this week. I thought it felt like more 
but I think it's just because we haven't talked on the podcast in two weeks about trades, and there's been a lot since the last one. They had plenty to talk about on the last episode. So let's go ahead and dive right in. Trade number one, uh, League Villain Nick trades AJ smith Shaver and Mike Trout, and then Mike trades O'Neill Cruz and Luis Robert 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 Jr. Uh, I'll kick it over to you, Jake, for this first one. Um, so, excuse me, uh, man, this is already rough and we're not even like halfway through. Uh, okay. So the first trade, um, AJ Smith Shaver got sent back to the minors. Um, so I don't know for how long, uh, I'm not sure if this is an innings thing, but he, what I wasn't crazy about how, I guess I wasn't crazy about his profile anyways, but um i'm not sure that this is like a short stint or if they're sending him back to control his innings i don't know what the deal is but it, anyways aj smith shopper is now in the minors um mike trout is having probably his worst season he's had in a while I, I still have to buy in that he's going to rebound because he's mike trout um so i think might i think trout is still the best player in this trade um, O'Neill Cruz, I, I, I liked what he did, what he was doing early on, but a very limited sample size, and he's not coming back till August. So I guess that leaves Luis Robert or Robert or whatever. Um, it's been how many years has he been in the league? And I still don't know the correct pronunciation of his last name. Uh, but Luis Robert, um, I'm just going to flip back and forth this whole time, I guess. But yeah, he doesn't have the best profile for our scoring just because uh plate discipline's pretty bad um that being said trout is striking out an awful lot so it's i don't know that he's that robert's that far behind where trout is right now um i'm gonna give the slight edge here to um well i'll give a very slight edge to league villain nick for also getting back the keeper because i feel in in o'neill cruz because um, I don't feel like O'Neill Cruz is going to stick on his team. And maybe this is a little unfair that I'm like projecting another trade, but I'm thinking that the end return where um, I think I'm thinking the end return when he trades Cruz or maybe it won't, but I'm, I'm thinking he will, will outweigh the, the side with just with now just trout. And I'm not sure when Smith shopper is coming back. So I'm not going to factor him in much, much at all right now. He doesn't have any keeper value. Yeah, I um that's interesting. I hadn't really thought about, you know, Nick picking up Cruz to use as as ammunition later. I mean, it just felt like a selling move or like a a hedge your bets kind of move. I don't know. I I think Cruz is supposed to be back at some point this year, but I at last I heard that wasn't guaranteed, right? return i think is supposed to be sometime in august but i I think that was like on the more optimistic side yeah so pretty late even if he does return and like you said like he's been good but it is kind of a small sample size so kind of hard to tell for me he's more in the question mark range for like a, a keeper um so yeah, this was this was just a hard one to evaluate, and especially with Shaver getting sent down, that 
that hurts Mike's side a lot. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really disagree with anything you said there. I, I think, yeah, I think I would say the same that Cruz's potential keeper value is high enough. I think I would give the edge to Nick on this one. Um, you know, maybe Mike Trout figures it out. Um, I mean, I still believe in Mike Trout, but yeah, um, he is he is striking out more than you would hope. He's, I think that trend has kind of like continued from last year, I think, and maybe even the year before. Um, he's definitely not the like guaranteed first overall player he used to be. Uh, moving on then to the second trade, we've got Nate trading away Griffin Canning, Julio Tehran, and Henry Davis. And Mike gives up Hunter Green and Christian Encarnacion Strand. Um, I'll I'll go ahead and start on this one. Give your voice a bit of a break. Uh, this feels like a lot of names to me. Griffin Canning's been decent so far this year, but he hasn't been like outstanding or anything. He's kind of like a peripheral pitcher to me julio tehran has been really good of late but i don't know how much i don't know how much to believe in that he's been around forever and he's had some some good stretches here and there if i remember correctly and then henry davis is you know obviously very exciting for like the pirates but and like as a pirates fan i'm i'm glad to see him up and getting at bats in the majors um but he he hasn't like lit the world on fire he's not like a an ellie de la cruz so far um and you know he's he's you know had the fat had the shortest number of at bats in the minors um i don't know i can't remember if it was ever it was it was since like a long time ago. I forget what, what everyone was saying in the group chat. So, like, it, it could just be that he has, like, a, an adjustment period in the majors that he has to work through. Um, and we don't know how long that's going to be. Uh, on Mike's side, Christian Carnacion Strand, I saw that he's getting appearances in the outfield for the Reds, so they are trying to, you know, move him around and get him get him an opening to get get the call uh I, I think on the last podcast you and i did we we talked about how you know he's kind of blocked at his primary positions in the infield um so that's encouraging they the reds are at least trying to get him to the majors as best they can if he can stick in the outfield then that's awesome for his value um and he's got a chance to to come up and and be really good especially in that ballpark um the the thing that kind of gets me about this trade is Hunter Green. I know like the the news is that he's probably not going to be back until August, and I'm not like a huge Hunter Green fan necessarily. But like with this trade, with the exception of Brandon Woodruff, who I think he took in the expansion, and he kept in the second round, um, Mike's already traded away all of the keepers, like his core keeper pool from last season. 
he's got a couple more left like bobby miller has been pretty good um despite some despite like the last couple starts i think and ellie de la cruz has obviously been a sight to see since getting called up so um he's not like completely without keepers or anything he he drafted some guys who are going to be good um but still it it feels weird being this far out from the deadline and you've treated away all the guys you kept. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm overvaluing that, that keeper mark, but um, I didn't like that overall approach that Mike seems to have had and just being willing to giving up so many keepers throughout the, the first half of the season. Um, despite the fact that like, in straight value the trades aren't haven't been like super lopsided against him or anything like that i i I just didn't care for the strategy it seems jake any thoughts in addition to that yeah i think this one's a probably a i'll I'll give the edge to nate's side here despite not getting any immediate contributors which is also weird to say because him and mike are uh tied in records right now so they're battling it out for playoff position and playoff seating right now. Um, but none of the guys that Nate gave up really moved the needle much for me. Like, sorry, as a Pirates fan, I I don't think that Henry Davis, um, I'm, I'm worried about the handling of him, at least to this point, because they don't, doesn't seem like the Pirates trust him to play right field. He got pulled for a defensive replacement. Like, I just am a little weary about how they're going to handle him. Um, Julio Tehran, I don't buy at all. I I, I feel like it's going to come crashing down any second for him. Um, Griffin Canning is kind of interesting, though. He's, at least as of recently, his swinging strike rate has been very high. Um, and he's been able to kind of, well, he's been able to dance around the the very hard contact that he gives up because he's getting so many swings and misses. So he at least is a little interesting. Um, I think in, if I'm going to, I believe in Encarnacion Strand's um, hitting ability more than I do Davis. Um, but the, the playing time question still remains. And I, I, Nate got Hunter Green, who is definitely a, a decent keeper, um, probably a good keeper. Uh, well, maybe not. A, I, I'm not going to say like a super good keeper, but he's he's a very keepable player. Let's let's call it that. Um, and he didn't really have to give up much. And this is another one where I I could see Hunter Green being like the secondary piece in a deadline trade where he gets much more back than and anything he would have gotten from Canning to Ron Davis. That's that's where I'm coming from with that, but I don't know that I don't know that Mike needed the immediate help because I that that's what this would be is you're trading two guys that you're not uh, are not contributing for you with Encarnacion and Strand and Green, um, and you're getting back three guys who could. But Mike has Varsho as his catcher, and like I don't know that Davis is going to be that much better than Varsho if at all. Um, and then. Canning and Tehran, I think, are very short-term solutions. Who are who are, I would I would only start uh, in the best of matchups, anyways. 
Yeah, and like the other thing I think in Hunter Green's case, similar to what we said about Max Fried when he got traded away, Hunter Green's value is only going to go up as he gets closer to returning. And like, unless he's just completely bad when he returns, um, like he could, I, I guess our trade deadline is would might happen before he returns. So we might not be able to see him before he's able to be traded. Um, but yeah, like just picking up Hunter Green now in Nate's case, like he, Hunter Green is just going to sit on his IL spot and gain value heading into the deadline, and and Mike could have could have kept that value for himself here. Um, so yeah, I, I I agree. Give the edge to Nate on this one, uh, and then um, trade number three also involves Mike, and he traded away Tommy Edmond to Brendan, who gave up Austin Hayes. I'll go ahead and and start with this one as well. My thoughts are kind of short. I just wrote in in my notes here, sure. Like, these guys are, you know, Tommy Edmonds has been kind of solid. He was taken in the expansion, the keeper expansion. So he has some keepability as well. I think I would, I feel like I would probably rank him lower than hunter green i guess depending on on how green looks when he comes back um so that's that's a bit of an open question um and austin hayes was also drafted really late and hayes had a really really good start to the season but that's waned quite a bit um i also i don't get this one so much because austin hayes last i checked um was not in Mike's starting lineup this week. So I don't know why he really wanted to pick him up if he doesn't, if he's not even going to start him. So, yeah, I just wrote sure. Like uh, I, I think just as like a final note on my thoughts on Mike's trades this week is like, none of them are like super bad or anything. And there he's not like getting screwed over or anything like that. But like I think at best he's breaking even on these, and I think this is just a case where, um, like my bias towards, you know, n- not using frequent trades as a strategy in fantasy, um, that's probably where my bias comes in here. Is I don't I don't like making a bunch of trades. I just don't think there's just going to be diminishing returns after a while and you're just not going to improve as as much as you think every time you're making a trade so um that's kind of my thoughts on on the strategy that mike's kind of employing here um i just don't know that it's i just don't know that it's really doing all that much um especially with with how much he's given up in the keeper department um already this year and and none of them have been like a you know i'm giving up a keeper to really make a splash they've just been normal trades where if you take keeper value out of it then 
it's a it's a normal trade and it's fine. But if you consider the keeper value, I know a lot of them were earlier in the season, but keeper value also tends to go up the closer you get to the deadline. So um, I think certainly next year, Mike's hurt his team a bit. And, I, and I'm wondering if it would have been better to hold on to some of those guys until closer to the deadline when, when some guys are selling um, and he would have been able to help his team out this season a little bit more as well. Jake, your thoughts? Yeah, I don't have much to say on the trade itself. Um, I don't think either of those guys have really any keeper value because like, I would feel a little gross if I had to keep either one of them. Because hmm. I, like, I don't think they're really good enough to justify the pick. I mean, Hayes is late enough that, I mean, it's like, sure, but I would rather take, I, I wouldn't, I feel like if I kept Hayes, even as late as he is, I would get to that pick. There would be somebody else with higher upside who I would have been excited about to draft, but I can't because Hayes is taking that spot and I would just be sad. So that's kind of my thought on that. I, I don't really, I, I think the trade is, is fine. But yeah, I kind of agree with what you said about um, the trading though overall with the strategy because um, Mike's keeper pool is a little depleted now um, and I don't know that he cares about that necessarily for this year or for for, uh, for next year which I don't really know that he should his team is pretty good as is but I mean if you want to think closer to the trade deadline you are right that the keepers the, the value generally goes up the closer you get to the the deadline um, and by that point you'd probably have more options with sellers well so uh i don't know that mike has left as much left in the war chest as far as keeper go keepers go unless he's willing to part with like a bobby miller or ellie de la cruz yeah i definitely agree there uh the fourth trade we had this week uh involved you so i guess i'll talk first on this one as well uh you traded away andrew abbott and nathan evaldi nick lee picked uh, traded away uh, Zach Wheeler and Freddie Peralta. So uh, a quartet of pitchers here on this one. Um, again, I'll go first and kick it over to you for kind of your thought process and how the negotiations went for that uh, insider look. Um, my gut reaction to this was I didn't really like it. I I thought Nathan Eovaldi was a pretty good, had some pretty good keeper value. He's been really good this season he's not like guaranteed gonna be amazing i mean he was kept heading into last year i believe and fell off really hard in the second half didn't get kept this year um and was drafted really late as a result so he's back now and he's playing really well but it it is a question as to whether or not he's going to maintain that because we've seen him be really good before and then kind of lose it. Um, so that's always going to be the question with him. And uh, Andrew Abbott as well has been pretty, pretty decent so far and he's SPARP eligible. Uh, I believe I have that correct. Um, so he's got some pretty decent value for himself as well. Um, now on Nick Lee's side, giving up Zach Wheeler, Wheeler and Freddie Peralta, I'll start with Freddie Peralta. He feels like I haven't looked much into him lately. He feels like 
a kind of, the kind of guy who like I feel like he should be playing better than he is. Um, maybe that's kind of changed. Maybe some of those, some of the, you know, struggles are are starting to feel more real or something like that. Um, but Zach Wheeler, I think, is definitely the best pitcher of this bunch by by a pretty good margin, even over Eovaldi, who's who's been pretty good. Um, I just I just trust Wheeler to to be solid the rest of the season much more than the other guys. Um, so yeah, on the one hand, I think you got the best player out of this deal, um, and then like a a maybe kind of bounce back second half guy in Peralta, um, and you gave up a a solid spark reliever in Abbott and a guy who could potentially have some really good keeper value. Um, I know Eovaldi had some concerns with like his velocity and stuff. So maybe, maybe that chance of him falling off and, and not being worth the keep is, is real as well. And maybe this is another case of Nick Lee kind of looking into the keeper value more maybe more than he should have, but I don't know. I, I think it's fairly even. And if I'm going to give it, if I'm going to give the edge to anyone, I'll, I'd probably say you getting the best pitcher out of this, but you know, if Eovaldi maintains his performance, then I, I think Nick Lee walks away with this one with a really great keeper. Um, so yeah. Over to you, Jake. Yeah, so you wanted an insight into the negotiations. Well, I sent this trade and like didn't follow up. I don't even remember when I sent it. So that's that's Riveting. the insider. Yeah, he. <laughs> I, I got the notification. I was like, what? I didn't remember. So it was a surprise to me. I, I don't remember sending this offer, but I guess I did at some point. And uh, it got accepted now, so... I'm not mad. It's just this, it's kind of funny. Like I totally forgot that I even said it. Um, so I wonder how long ago that I wonder how long that's been that's been in the inbox. But uh I know that as of recently, um I was a little spooked by Evaldi's uh velocity dip because that did happen uh last year and that kind of it wasn't as pronounced, but it, it uh or it's not as pronounced as it is as it was last year, but um, I, I was a little spooked because that's when the performance started to dip for him last year, like you mentioned. Um, but he, he said it was a mechanical thing, and uh, I know his his velocity wasn't all the way back, but it was up since the first. Like he had one start where he was averaging around ninety three. I think the next start he was not ninety four and a half. That's still below his season average, but it's at least moving in the right direction. Um, I I do Zach Wheeler, and despite I I feel like I never got to talk talk about him, but I I've always been a huge Zach Wheeler fan. Um, I kind of I I feel like if we're gonna do a comp, he's like my my love for Cattell Marte is pretty well known. I feel like Wheeler for me is like the pitcher version of that. I just never really got to talk about him because Courtney hoards her players and was hoarding Zach Wheeler for like four years. So I never got to really talk about Zach Wheeler, but I really like him a lot. Um, I, I do think that he's the best pitcher in this trade and should be, I think he should be the best 
going forward. Uh, Peralta is very up and down, but one of the taken. I'm not. I'm honestly not real crazy about him. Um, but again, I don't remember when I said this. So maybe he was. Maybe things were looking a little more optimistic at the time. Um, at least I would hope so. Uh, Andrew Abbott, I, I was scared of when he came up. Just he felt like he was walking a tightrope. Like the results were there, but nothing else was. Where he was giving up a lot of hard contact. He was walking everybody. He wasn't striking out that many that many batters, but his last start was actually really good, and I felt a lot better about him uh, after that one, despite the, the weak opponent. Um, he was doing a lot of things that I was hoping that he would do initially. Uh, as as far as Avaldi goes, um, I cannot thank him enough. He's the reason I survived Corbin Burns all this time. Like, he was basically what Corbin Burns was supposed to be up to this point. Uh, like, that's number one overall pitcher, Nathan Avaldi. Like he's as of at least as of yesterday, he was the top overall pitcher in our league. Um, so again, like he's been awesome for my team up to this point, but um, historically he hasn't been that. So I felt like I needed to cash in on him at some point, and I do really like Wheeler a lot. So I'm, I'm okay with how it ended up, even though I don't like Peralta, and I'm, I'm a little sad to lose Abbott now. Um, and of course, I'm very thankful for the for the good times that I had with with Ivaldi. Yeah, a lesson learned, folks. Always check your pending transactions just in case. Uh, you can you can find that on the the Fantrax website somewhere on the app as well. Um, they hide it just in case you you send a trade at three in the morning that you forget about the next day and someone ends up uh, accepting it. A week and a half later or whatever it was so yeah uh that will wrap up our trade segment and our last week recap which leads us into the main segment this week it has indeed conveniently as i uh have the power chair this week it has indeed been four matchups since the last time we've done the deep dive so we'll go ahead and dive in deep once again here is the scoring breakdown for June. This is matchups 9 through 12, spanning the dates uh, May 29th through June. I have 35th written down here. That is not a date. Uh, May 29th through June 25th. Um, I'll go ahead and go from bottom to top. In last place this month was me with 843.5 points. I dropped six spots uh, from last month, so a real rough time. I also just remembered I put the points on here just for my own reference to, to point to later if it comes up in discussion, but it can be a lot for the listeners to just listen to a bunch of numbers rattle off. So I'm just gonna do the, the position, the team name and where they moved from last month. Uh, up to 11th from 12th is Jordan moving up the one spot as I fell by six. Um, in 10th, uh, a repeat, JC uh, finished in 10th last month and this month. Uh, same with Eddie in 9th and Nick Lee in 8th. Uh, all three of those guys uh, finished in the same spot in May and now again in June. Uh, number seven was Brendan falling two spots from last month. Sam had a really good bounce back month up five spots to the sixth spot uh, up to 
uh, as well is Nate up to the fifth spot from seventh last month. Uh, in fourth is league villain Nick. He fell one spot from three to four. Uh, in third place is Scott. Um, still had a pretty good month, but two spots down from the top spot uh, last month. And then that leaves Jake and Mike, uh, who finished in the top spot. Drum roll. Uh, you probably can't hear it. I did it on my desk. But uh, Jake took the top spot. He had 118.1 points this past month, moving up from second uh, in May. And Mike finished just behind him, uh, up two spots from May to the two spot. Um, and I'll go ahead and jump into some things of note. Uh, scoring overall uh, was down from May to June. With the exception of myself in the 12th spot, each position in June scored less than the same position in May. So, um, you know, Jake finishing first this month scored fewer points than Scott, who finished first last month, um, and on the whole way down second through 11th. Um, so, yeah, Jake's 118.1 points to lead the month would have only finished in fourth in May. Um, the next point, some very tight groupings this month. Uh, the first through third spots, that would be Jake, Mike, and Scott, were separated by merely 14.3 points. Uh, so a very tight race for that that top finish in scoring this month, um, as well as the five through eight spots. Number four was League Villain Nick kind of on an island at 976.8, but uh, four through eight being Nate, Sam, Brendan, and Nick Lee, all were separated by only 9.9 .9 points uh, in total between five and eight. So, um, Thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, Sam uh, was up five this month, as I pointed out. He was down five the previous month, so this was a rebound right to uh, right to where he was uh, to start the season. Uh, JC finished in tenth in two months in a row, and we'll get to that in just a second. Um, and then just one final thing of note, we have yet to see a repeat top scorer or bottom scorer in a month. No one has taken the top spot or the bottom spot uh, in two months in a row or any months in any order. Uh, and we will talk some more about this after these messages. So, Jake, uh, that was a lot to throw at you all at once, a lot of numbers and fun facts and the like but uh any takeaways any uh you know things that stood out to you uh from the month of june okay so one thing is i guess my demise or my i'm, I'm going to go into a valley next because it seems like if you finish uh first in one month um you you slide backwards so I'm just preparing for the worst at this point. Um, sounds like I'm peaking too soon, basically, is what I'm saying. Uh, so some other takeaways. Um, JC still in the back of the pack was interesting. 
um that was a little surprising because i don't feel like he's i mean i know that he's scuffled a little bit but um i know that he got i think he's still deceptively being carried by his hot start like i think he's pretty much played five i'll just say 500 balls since then um i don't remember exactly how how many wins he had but he was he was in first or second in the division for most of the or at least the first month i, I believe and um he's only four games over 500 right now so I, I think he's pretty much been playing 500 ball since then so that was a little surprising um other takeaways uh I guess Sam being towards the middle, but like, I don't know if he's just getting really unlucky, but like, I think we've said a while his team we think is better than what he's shown so far. Um, the scoring kind of backs that up that he's probably like a, probably like a middle tier team, um, despite being, I think, in 11th place right now. Uh, so him being in the middle was another interesting note. It is also interesting to hear that the scoring is down from last month overall, because I, I kind of would have expected that to go the other way. Yeah, that was definitely, yeah, not what I expected. I mean, I, I just happened to notice like, oh, Jake scored this many points. Scott scored this many points last month. And I was like, okay, so Scott still had a better month in his first overall performance. But then I just looked down the line and position after position scored less than the same spot before, um, which was which was weird, very weird. Um, you know, it, it made me, it gave me a little bit of solace at least knowing that despite finishing in last, at least I outscored last month's last place person. And I was the only person to do that for my position. So, you know, a uh, a silver lining in after after a pretty rough month in scoring for myself. Um, yeah. Um, Always finding the positives. Of course. Of course. That is that is what you got to do. Um, we'll go ahead and move on to the overall scoring here. Uh, see what this past month has done. Uh, to the stand to the scoring leaders uh, first through third no movement so far uh, Scott Mike and Jake in that order but worth noting Scott is first in scoring but second in the standings Mike second in scoring but third in the standings and Jake you are third in overall scoring but first in the standings uh, we have one mover up to fourth league villain Nick uh now fourth in scoring passing jc uh league villain nick is seventh in the standings however uh and jc falling one spot to fifth overall in scoring is in fourth in the standings uh followed then by six and seven uh is nate and nick lee neither of them uh moving from their spots from the previous month uh, Nate in sixth place is the fifth per place in standings. Nick Lee in seventh place is sixth in the standings. Sorry, seventh in scoring, sixth in standings, if that wasn't clear. Um, likewise, I mean, like you just said, Sam moves up a spot to eighth in scoring after this past month, but he is in 11th in the standings, like you mentioned. 
another one moving up is Eddie into the ninth spot. Uh, he is eighth in the standings. I dropped two spots back to 10th. Um, I am ninth in the standings. And then the last two remain the same. Jordan is 11th in scoring and 12th in the standings. Brendan still last in scoring, uh, but 10th in the standings. Uh, and we'll get to that in a second. Some things of note for the overall scoring trends Uh League villain Nick and Sam are both three spots worse in the standings than their scoring would suggest. Fourth and seventh for Nick, eighth and 11th for Sam. Uh, my question to you, Jake, should these two teams be sticking around, expecting a turnaround and a playoff push? I mean, why not? Is your, if, I guess, like... <laughs> To use to use a, a pitching analogy, this feels like uh, like the the starter that has the the four and a half ERA. Things just haven't been breaking his way, but under the hood, the the peripherals still look pretty good. So I I kind of buy that with the uh, the scoring being relatively high compared to their competition. Um, well, not relatively high. It, their scoring has just been better than some of their peers. Um, and it would seem that they're at, at worst right there with the teams they're competing against. They're not really that far out of it. I mean, Nick, league villain Nick is is in the playoffs right now, so he's not out of it at all. Yeah, it's definitely definitely something that would keep me very much interested in competing, especially with how the playoff picture is right now, where so many teams are still in it. And like, it feels like we, I think Sam was like in eighth-ish in the standings last week. And then after one week, he was, he's in 11th now. So very volatile. Like if you just have a one in one week, like three teams could pass you if they happen to go two and oh. Um, yeah, very, very volatile on the bubble in the playoffs. So um, if I were Nick or Sam, uh, I, I would definitely be, you know, hopeful for, for the second half, um, as I'm sure they are. Next point, Brendan is just a hair's breadth away. Um, I didn't actually do the math, but uh, Jordan has 2,696.1 points. Brendan is behind him at 2,657.7. So like uh, almost 40 points behind Uh so he that, he's right there officially now. the 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 number for like a hair's breadth is forty point nine is that well I guess compared yeah that's fair I guess compared to I think after the first month he was two hundred points down from the next highest who was Eddie like Jordan was even farther ahead uh, after the first month so compared to that definitely definitely a a hair or two we'll we'll say. Um, but yeah, so do you think he's going to do it here in July? Is he going to pass Jordan? Yeah, I think so. I think he could, he could easily do it this week, depending on the kind of week Jordan has. Uh, and then, uh, the scoring gap, uh, just keeping tabs on overall scoring, 
between last year and this year. The scoring gap between 2022 and 2023, the current season, seems to be thinning with last season's top five. Now with better scores than this year's top five through 12 matchups. Um, but also of note, uh, the bottom teams are still significantly leading last year's scores. Um, so the question, is this yet another indicator of an increasingly competitive league? Do you think, Jake? Yeah, I think so. I think it probably has to do as well with some of the uh, the troubles that have been like just like the pitching environment has been a little weird. So I do wonder if that is contributing as well, particularly among the high end pitchers. For sure, for sure. And finally, uh, some points, uh, points against trends. So points that get scored against your team. I took a look. The top three in points against so far this year are Mike, League Villain, Nick, and Scott. Uh, should, we, should we expect a rebound, quote-unquote, for these teams? I know it's hard to say a rebound for Scott leading his division, Mike second in his division, and League Villain, Nick, who's also in the playoffs. But um, should these guys expect greener pastures in getting closer to the second half of the year. So here's kind of my overall thought on that. Like if you're a higher scoring team, you should generally expect a lower than average points against because you are not playing you. And you're you're playing less higher scoring teams than some other teams than you know like a lower scoring team so in that sense all three of these are higher scoring teams so yeah i would i would expect it to be lower that is a that is an interesting way of looking at it i hadn't thought about it that way but yeah it's because like i i feel like what some one of the things that um we, we try and account for this, this like matchup luck by having the additional um, matchup against the median every week. And that does a pretty good job, um, but it's not exactly a perfect scenario. I, I know I've had at least two matchups in which I was like third in scoring, but still lost my matchup. I believe I lost to Scott and you after finishing third in scoring um, this past week. Mike scored 294 points and lost to Scott. Um, so like the those standings are smaller numbers than the amount of points that we accumulate over the course of the year. So the margin for error is, you know, not quite the same. Um, so it's interesting. Like a real, I was going to say to give to give a real answer, I would have to look at the like remaining schedule because like i'm sure that mike and nick probably have a, a tougher remaining schedule than scott just based also on true. their yeah. respective divisions but like just purely and like mike is a is the second highest scoring team right now so he is the only team in the league that doesn't have to play mike who is the second highest scoring team so in theory his points against should be lower than average 
I think that makes a ton of sense. Uh, that's that's kind of what my head is. Yeah. So uh, moving on then to the bottom three teams in points against, that is JC, Jake, and Brendan in that order. JC being the lowest, Jake being second lowest, Brendan being third lowest. Um, so should these teams be worried that maybe they've they've gotten lucky so far? Your thoughts, Jake? Um, at the risk of sounding like arrogant, but this sort of like falls into the same bucket. Like as a higher scoring team, I'm not. I mean, I'm. I would expect to not finish in the top in the bottom three again. But like, I I wouldn't be too crazy worried about it because like I same principle applies. I don't have to play me. I don't have. I have. That's one less. Uh, top three scoring team on my schedule uh, if that makes sense but for brendan and jc i would be a little more concerned that maybe the some of the recent wins have may have been a little bit lucky just because they're not they're not in the higher they're not they're not higher scoring teams um so maybe some of the, i mean i haven't looked but maybe some of their maybe some of their wins have been uh, just a fortunate schedule yeah, I I would agree with that assessment. Um, I I think I would almost be most worried if I were JC because his trend has been has been worse than Brendan. Um, so if that if if we expect points against to kind of normalize for everyone and kind of. I don't know, average out to more of a more of a median scoring against every week. Um JC definitely has some rebounding to do. Uh whereas Brendan has finished more in the middle of the pack or the top six the last couple months um and has looked stronger in scoring so far. Um but yeah, and I, I should be clear this is these are points against overall this season not just for the month of june um maybe that would be an interesting to, thing to look at uh in future breakdowns uh in addition to to the overall um but yeah we'll go ahead now and talk about pitching and hitting uh this past month the um oh well let me start by saying Eddie and I absolutely dominated this segment of the deep dive. So shout outs to us. Uh, some of it's good. Some of it is not good. Uh, so the best hitting uh, from the month of June was Eddie with 611.5 points. Congratulations, Eddie. The best pitching was myself at 540 points. I believe I also called that on the last uh, on the last deep dive. That was my my prediction for best pitching. Um, so good job, me. Pat on the back. Uh, risers and fallers in the hitting category. The biggest riser was indeed Eddie moving up six whole spots from seventh to first uh, from the month of May to this past month, past month of June. Uh, and I, in the hitting category, was the biggest faller from dropping seven spots from fifth to 12th the whole way in last place um 
and then risers and fallers in pitching. I, again, was the biggest riser in pitching up seven spots from 8th in May to 1st in June. And the biggest faller was Eddie, falling five spots from 7th to 12th. So in addition to winning one category and the other, Eddie and I were the biggest riser and faller in the opposite categories and also finished in first in one and dead last in the other. So very, uh, yeah, very mixed results for the both of us. But we've got something to be happy about, at least. Um, any any big surprises out of out of all that, Jake? I know it's uh, only I... really two teams to talk about in this, but any anything you want to add? No, it's it's because I can I look at all that you just read me and I I look at your teams and I'm like yeah that makes sense yeah like you just totally got you just out. got you got Glass now back, uh, Cease is pitching well like you're I, I totally get your pitching staff rebounding. Like on Eddie's side, the the Braves lineup just kind of went bananas this last month. So mm-hmm. like Olson and Albie's both benefited tremendously from that, and he also had Corey Seager, who was I believe like pretty much the hottest hitter in baseball this side of Shohei Otani uh, this past month. So I, like I totally buy that too. But like on the other side, I can I can understand why his pitching has suffered. He's and in one of his starting pitcher slots, he has Matt Strom. So like that yeah. that jives with me. I think and like I, on your <laughs> I think I saw two of his starting pitchers in his rotation are Sparps, which is not where you want to start Sparps. You want them to be in reliever spots. So that that kind of speaks to, to the woes he's sparps. having there. I, yeah. I don't think they're Sparps. I think that they're whatever the opposite of a Sparp is, like a relief pitcher that you're starting oh, they're in at, a starter oh. spot. Oh, that's even worse. I thought it was just he was not starting them in a relief spot instead yeah, of getting wow. Ooh, that's rough. Yeah, I don't know what you would call that, but that's that's the, the that type of player is taking up two of his starting starting pitcher spots right now. Yeah, and an Erps. <laughs> I don't know. An Erps. <laughs> yeah, that's a terrible thing to have to say out loud. I. Yeah, let's not do that again. Eddie, find find pitchers. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, oh, maybe you didn't finish your thoughts, but like my offense, uh, I know had a bunch of injuries all at the same time. Like I was missing Pete Alonso for two weeks out of all of that. I want to say Machado's was maybe missing to start the month. And I've been missing Riley Green. Lars Newtbar was hurt. Yeah, it's been it's been a bunch of stuff on the offense as well for me. So also also makes sense. And yeah, in I, I wasn't gonna, I wasn't going to say anything. I wasn't going to say anything positive about your offense. So we can just move on. Yeah, um, <laughs> we'll go ahead and just do our predictions for next month. Jake, who do you have uh, for your predicted highest score? This is highest score overall, right? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Highest score overall for the month of July. Uh, I'll go splashy and take Nate. Interesting. I like that. I am going to take Scott to have to to rebound back again and take the top spot once more. Uh, who do you have for best hitting in July? 
uh, this one, I have Scott. I went, I, this one didn't happen, but I'm going to, I'm going to bet on Brendan again. And as I'm saying it out loud, I'm just now remembering he's missing Jordan Alvarez. So that's going to go ahead and be a bold pick for me. Uh, Brendan, Brendan's just going to have an amazing month on uh, the waiver wire. That's, that's what we're going to go with. Um, and then your pick for the best pitching staff, Jake. I'm going with Nate. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, I'm going to go with you on this one. I think uh, getting Zach Wheeler, maybe some some bright days for Corbin Burns this summer. Uh, he cut Corbin Burns, lost the the flowing locks. I saw. So maybe maybe the uh, the lighter head is going to give him some sort of advantage we don't know about. But yeah, I'll take your pitching staff this month. That sounds good. I don't have anything else to add. All <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. And now the final part of the deep dive, the moment that everybody's been waiting for, the power rankings that everyone definitely asked for and wanted me to do. Uh, so here they are, uh, my teams to beat. Uh, I think this largely remained the same. I have Jake in the number one spot now up from second last month. Uh, he went, you went nine and one this past month, just an absolute tear in the standings. Um, number two, I've got Scott down to second, you know, swapping places with you. He was six and four this month. And still in this top tier, I have Mike staying at the number three spot. He was five and five in June. Uh, the contenders tier, the second tier I have here, um, is just three guys. I have Nate moving up to the fourth spot from last month. He went seven and three. I dropped uh, League Villain Nick uh, from four to five, uh, going five and five this past week and then jc i still have at six i'm kind of leaving him here um despite the struggles he's kind of you know he went four and six this past month um he keeps getting wins and you know it, it feels wrong to kind of drop him and count him out after you know the trade tm uh so that concludes the contenders tier. Uh, the th third tier I'm calling the outsiders. I think I had them as quote unquote the bubble last time, but that didn't quite fit for what I was going for. Um, the outsiders, I've got Sam. I moved him up three spots to number seven. Um, I think like you said, he's his scoring suggests that he's better than he has been Um and his team, I think, has a legit chance to make some noise. He was four and six this past month. Uh, up a spot as well to eighth, I have Brendan. He went four and six. Um, he continues to to see some brighter days in scoring after that after that dreadful April. Um, and then falling two spots to ninth, rounding out the outsiders tier, I have Nick Lee. He went four and six this month. Um, this next tier is 10 and 11. It's Eddie and I. I ha I labeled this the believers. 
I don't think either of us are really out of it. Um, and we're kind of in that like bubble range where anything can kind of happen in the wild card race. Um, and I'm like currently a playoff team. So um, I think like we highlighted in the pitching versus hitting section, like we both have like the same problems of like consistency and, you know, just kind of having lopsided teams. Like I have a pretty good pitching staff, but my hitting struggling. He has a pretty good um, lineup, but his, his pitching is struggling. Um, and we both have our injuries to deal with, as does everyone. Um, I I gave myself the 10th spot, being a little biased, of course, but um, I just think my hitting has a better chance to rebound than his pitching right now, because mine were, my struggles were mostly injury-related this past month, I think, and I'm, I got Pete Alonzo back, um, you know, Riley Green is supposed to start a rehab assignment soon um i i just think it's more likely that i see brighter days on the offense than eddie's pitching staff um and then i have at the bottom jordan he went two and eight this past month um it's a sad time for jordan so pour one out for him um jake would you like to uh rake me over the coals for any of these i think these are mostly it's feel mostly correct i think maybe nicoly is a little low well i might flip him and brandon but other than that other than that i don't know that i have i don't i don't think i have much to contest here good to hear good to hear just like a quick note um i should mention like i think as the year goes on, I'll probably take standings more into consideration um, because like the way I kind of envisioned these power rankings is like, how likely are these teams to win a championship if given the opportunity? Um, but like, as the year plays out, the likelihood of certain teams near the back of the standings actually getting the opportunity and making the playoffs um kind of thins out so those kinds of teams might fall a little bit but for now i'm going mostly off of off of scoring and assuming like most people still have a fairly decent shot of making the playoffs and being a team that can can win when they do um so yeah that's just my philosophy on these power rankings uh for the um just so the listeners know and understand where I'm coming from. That wraps up this edition of Jerry's Deep Dive. Um, I really enjoy doing this segment. It's it's just a lot of fun. It also, um, I think, helps me uh, understand like how the league is kind of going. Um, it, it makes me feel like I, I have a good grasp on like what's actually happening in the league other than, oh, this team lost, this team won, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, so I'll stop uh, ranting about the deep dive and we'll go ahead and move on to the matchup preview. Uh, first thing to watch for, Jake, I'll send it to you first. All right, so my thing to watch for is the Reed Detmers breakout is finally on us. I hope and think 
Uh, and it sounds like, um, well, I should start with the fact that he's gone seven innings now in back-to-back outings. He's struck out at least eight in four straight starts. And he's doing something a little different that's driving the change. And it's, it, it, if you can believe it, it's he's throwing his slider slower. Uh, so I think to understand this change, last year we got really excited. Reed Detmers had a tear in the second half where he pitched phenomenally coming back from the minors. Um, and it was it was all because it, it was kind of fueled because his slider had increased velocity. So fast forward to spring training, Reed Detmers comes out firing with even more velocity. And my thought process was, well, if the velocity helped him so much the first time, this this is going to carry him even further. Well, maybe that wasn't the case because now that he, he struggled for most of the year and starting a couple starts ago, uh, his slider velocity decreased. And he's throwing it now at the same velocity he had last year in the second half when he went on that tear, when we all got really excited about him the first time, or at least I did. So I'm wondering if maybe this is helping with his pitch separation. And this is uh, maybe it's not, maybe the key for him is not throwing it harder. It's just finding the, the optimal velocity uh, for that pitch and I think he's found it excited to see where this goes maybe 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 this is the breakout I, I hope it is even though he's not on my team yeah obviously obviously I would be very excited if if the breakout is is here and here to stay um I know like um I was gonna add something there oh I know there was like talk about you know, maybe the the added velocity ca- came at a uh, a decrease in his control. So maybe maybe he is just locating it better now um, and having a better feel for it because he's not like just trying to chuck it as hard as he can. He's kind of staying back and and I think it it also has some more break on it uh, in addition to the the change in velocity. So. Yeah, very interesting stuff for Reed Detmers and uh, very exciting for for me and for anyone who's a fan like Jake. Uh, My thing to watch for um, is will JC hold on? We've kind of like been talking about it all throughout the episode with um, with the deep dive and and the like. Um, Yeah, I'm very interested to see if the winds keep coming for him. and like I said, I think a 13-win team could miss the playoffs. And I know GC is at 14 wins, which would be even more wild. But again, like I said, you know, I think there's three of us at 10 wins. Me, uh, I have the standings right here. I can confirm that for sure if I wasn't on the, the scoring page for a second. Yeah, it is League Villain Nick, myself, and Eddie all at 10 wins. Um, and Nick's team, I I think, could make up those four games oh, down the stretch, and and pass JC for uh for a wild card spot, especially if Nate continues 
his trend upwards and holds on to that third spot in the East. Um, so yeah, I will be I will be watching JC's team moving forward this week uh, and in following weeks. Um, we'll go ahead and talk matchup predictions. Um, when last Jake and I were on the podcast two weeks ago, I went three and three in my predictions, continuing to play 500 ball, which is not going to get the job done. Unfortunately for me, I'm at 35 and 25 now at a uh, 583 win percentage. Jake went five and one again, just absolutely destroying me. Um, and despite missing despite missing more weeks than I have, uh, he has more wins in total than I do now at 36 and 18. Uh, his win percentage is uh, 667. Um, last week, I caught Jordan's record. He went five and one. I did not get Nick Lee's, unfortunately, because I'm a bad assistant to the podcast host. But maybe we'll get that in there, or maybe they'll just go the way of Jordan and Nate when they took over for us that one week. Um, the guest collective is now at 23 and 13 with a 638 win percentage, solidly in second place in this and fan tracks. They went four and two this past week. They are 40 and 26 with a 606 win percentage. I have to do some work. I cannot lose to fan tracks on this one. Let's so let's see if we can do that. Uh, let's go ahead and make those predictions. The first matchup is myself versus Nick Lee. I went with myself on this one. Fantrax agrees. Jake, who did you have? I also picked you. A nice three for three for the Mighty Vibes. Here we go. Matchup number two is JC versus Jake. I took Jake. Fantrax took JC in this one. Jake, who do you got? I took my team. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, I don't know what Fantrax was thinking with some of these, but, you know. I shouldn't cast too much shade at JC. The third matchup is Eddie versus League villain Nick. Uh, we'll go in reverse order here. Jake, who did you have? I took League villain Nick. League villain Nick fan tracks also had League villain Nick, but I took Eddie. I gotta I gotta make up ground somewhere. So so we're going with Eddie on this one. Um, I think he continues to have uh, some some better days here and there, and I think that happens this week. Uh, the fourth matchup, Mike versus Nate. I took Mike here. Uh, Fantrax took Nate. Jake, you had? I took Nate, even though maybe I should have taken Mike because we talked badly about some of his trades, and that always seems to fuel his team. Yeah, I should have mentioned that earlier. Like, Mike's absolutely going to go on a tear now that I, you know, said I didn't didn't like how he was trading this season. Because, you know, my opinion clearly does not matter. Mike's team is is still good despite how I treated him in the draft. Um, Nate does have a pretty large... Um, he has a lot of pitchers going this week, so... That should be an interesting one to watch. Uh, 
number five is Jordan versus Brendan. Uh, we'll start again with you, Jake, on this one. I took Brendan. You take Brendan. Fantrax actually took Jordan on this one, and I'm actually going to agree with Fantrax on this one. Earlier in the season, Brendan and Jordan faced off, and Brendan was the team that everyone thought was the worst, and Jordan lost to Brendan. Now the tables have flipped, and I think they will flip in the matchup as well. I'm going to take Jordan into this one with my bold prediction, um, siding with Fantrax, but, you know... You can't gain ground on all of them. The last matchup we have is Sam versus Scott. Uh, I took Scott. Fantrax took sk- took Sam. Uh, Jake, break the I tie took Scott. Us. Love to see it. All right. Um, two minutes. Let's rifle through these news and notes call-ups we got jordan westberg at long last and we also got a second call-up a return of michael soroka uh any quick thoughts on these jake uh, we already talked about both these guys so no. yeah very exciting times uh we we did already talk about the send down aj smith shaver tough scene for mike i don't think we have anything to add on that one uh returns from injury we see kenta maeda coming back and jazz chisholm as well these are interesting names i think um coming back from injury but i i think remains to be seen how how good they're going to be any any further thoughts jake no i'm more interested in kenta maeda but he's also on my team so very fair um some injuries a much shorter list this week praise the lord uh, but some bigger names, unfortunately. Uh, the biggest, I think, being Shane McClanahan. He is out with a back. Michael Waka is out with a shoulder, and Brian Reynolds also out with a back. Um, Jake, the same question as always: Who gets the sympathy? Uh, Pirates fans, because we now have to watch the Pirates lineup without Brian Reynolds in it. Very true. I'll give mine to Nick. He's in the playoff race and he loses one of his biggest pizzas. That's got to hurt. Um, and that's going to wrap up the episode because I don't know how much time is left. Uh, thank you for listening. We will see you next week.